Alrighty, we're going to get started. We're going to discuss the topic. Um, as you may or may not be aware, the first Sunday of every October is um, the International Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem. Amen? And since we are very supportive of Israel and the nation of, uh, not only the nation of Israel, but the Jewish people, um, based upon the Word of God, amen, not our personal opinion, not according to politics, not according to people's observations, but according to the Word of God, uh, we definitely support this day uh, every year. And one of the reasons it's important is that, as my pastor that I was saved under told me, the dividing line of all mankind and all history is not black versus white versus Asian versus Latino. It is not rich versus poor. It is not this nation versus that nation. It is the Jewish people versus the Gentiles, period. I don't care what you learn, what you've been told, who the political analyst is, who the pundit is, what the group is. All history will go down to are you on God's side and with his chosen people Israel or are you against them? Once again, I don't care where you learned it. As a matter of fact, if you learned anything otherwise in university, in the think tanks and with the atheistic, anti-Semitic professors, you may hear otherwise. But I'm here to tell you by God's sovereign will, he poured out his blessings upon Abraham. God only made covenant with Abraham. And all the blessings we will receive under God will fall along that lineage. Matter of fact, as believers in Christ, to me it's very odd that a Christian person will say, I don't like the Jews. You only say through a, G a Jewish <laughs> minister named Jesus Christ. Amen? The book of Romans says that we have the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And if we have the spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father, what were you adopted into? The Jewish people. We're all Jews. We just don't know it. <laughs> Amen? So I'm here to tell you today that there's going to be a lot of things, and especially as we look in the media from day to day, you're going to hear more and more about the Jewish people doing this, the Jewish people doing that, boo, 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 Israel. And one of the things I'm hearing now in the news that they're saying more and more often is the Jewish apartheid against the Palestinians. That's how I checked. Apartheid was the British Empire coming into Africa and oppressing black folks. It was a system of government in, in which the whites had superiority. They oppressed them and they kept them at bay and did not allow them to rise up to have different things in their lives. How can it be the Jewish apartheid over the Palestinians when, first of all, the Jewish people were there for thousands of years? So you don't hear that in the news. But they've been there for thousands of years. They didn't just suddenly get over there in 1948 when they were declared a nation. The Jews were there all along. They've been all, always traveling back to their chosen land as God had dictated unto, unto them. Amen? But the news won't tell you that. They'll make it seem like back in 1948 they got statehood. They started oppressing the Palestinians, which is another lie of the devil. Because the reality is before the Jews got there and started buying the land, not taking the land as the British did, but buying the land that was nothing but desert and swamp land. They bought it in. They went into places that were desert places. They cultivated it. Places where the people working the ground sometimes went over a day without a drop of water. They worked that ground and made desert into fertile areas. 
They build up businesses, hospitals, schools, and they welcome the Palestinians into those places. And all they try to do is live in peace, and yet they've been attacked over and over again, not only in terms of terrorist attacks, but by the media. Amen? That's the truth. That's the reality that you won't hear in the, on the daily news. Amen? That they basically had people there that were living like nomads and, twi- and, and camel jockeys, as they are in Afghanistan, it would be exactly the same way in, in Israel now had it not been for God's chosen people coming in there and blessing the land. Amen? But you won't hear that. So apartheid is ridiculous. They didn't oppress the Palestinians. They brought blessings into the Palestinians' lives, but you're not going to hear that on the news. Amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, let's go to our text scripture. I'm going to move kind of fast. I have a lot to cover, but um, if time allows, we're going to open up for some questions at the end. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to um, write them down. Amen. All right. So Psalm 122, 1 through 9, a song of degrees of David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek thy good. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, that your people will, by your divine spirit, hear your truth according to your word and according to your mindset, Lord. Let it permeate their thoughts, their minds, their hearts. We come against the spirit of anti-Semitism, amen, that is rising in the church, that is rising in the hearts of people throughout the world. We praise you right now, Father, hallelujah, that there be any leaven within us that makes us despise, have animosity toward dislike, totally loathe the Jewish people right now, you would purge that out of us, Lord, that we would stand in righteousness, hallelujah, and on the right side of your word, Father. We praise and thank you, Father, for your chosen people. We praise and thank you, Father, that regardless of whether we understand it or not, why they were chosen, Lord, that you were the one who made that covenant with your son, Abraham, and you were the one that promised, hallelujah, that you, you would give them a perpetual kingdom, hallelujah. We even see according to your word, Father, that it says that when Jesus comes down, he will be, hallelujah, in that nation, Lord. So we praise and thank you, Father, for your chosen people. We praise and thank you, Father, hallelujah, for you using them to be a blessings uh, to the nations and to the entire world. And we praise and thank you, Father, as we would align ourselves with your will, with your divine destiny for that nation, and that we would pray for their peace, as it says, according to your word, hallelujah, we would be found righteous and would inherit the blessings, Father, poured out upon your people. We just thank and praise you, Father, for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, as we see here, the blessings as the people were sending up, and they did this during the feasts, it was something that even to this day that people um, will go to Jerusalem, amen? Hallelujah. They tried to make that part.
part of it. It's actually part of their ideology that they need to try to travel to Jerusalem, amen? And they would have a heart of praise for God and a mindset to pray as they went there. And as we see, amen, it talks about thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. There's a covenant between not only God and Abraham, but he also talked about the kingdom of David, amen, abiding. And we see that Jesus Christ came from the lineage of David. And we see here that God gives us a directive, a command. He's not asking us if we like them. He's not asking us if we want to do it. It says here, according to his word, amen, black and white, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. If you want to prosper, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you don't want to prosper, don't pray for them. But then don't wonder why your house is in shambles, your car is breaking down, your bank account is empty. See, there's the thing. We, we come in this society and this mindset now that I do the part of the word of God that I want to do and the stuff that I don't want to do, I don't have to do it. When you ain't got to do it, but you don't have to be blessed. <laughs> Amen? You don't have to be blessed. Amen? So it says here, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that what? That love thee. Amen? It says, peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. And we are called to pray and to seek their good. And matter of fact, the word Jerusalem, the name of that place, it means found it peaceful. And it's a combining of two words. The first one is Yara. Amen. It means to flow as water. That is to rain, to lay or throw. Amen. It also means to shoot an arrow or something out at a distance. And it also finally means to point as if with a finger towards something. Uh, the people of Jerusalem were called, amen, being the chosen people of God to point. Based upon their relationship with God and the blessings that flow into their life, they were called to not only pour out blessings into the lives of the other people that they dealt with, but also the point. And, and when people said, how are you so blessed? After all the persecution you dealt with, all the times where people like Hitler and other people try to exterminate you. How in the world are you still alive and still able to thrive everywhere you go? And they could point like an arrow or with a finger and say, it's because the God we serve and made covenant with. That is why we're blessed. Do you notice that everywhere they go? Egypt, they prosper. <laughs> Over there with Hitler and the Germans try to exterminate them, they prospered. Believe it or not, a lot of us don't know, there's Ethiopian Jews in Africa that prosper. Some of y'all are Jews by bloodline and don't even know it. There's literally a genome that labs can test and determine not only if you're connected with the Jews, even though your skin may be different, they can not only tell you what, whether or not you have Jewish blood in your, your DNA or, or, or Jewish DNA, but they can even tell you what tribe you came out of. Amen? A lot of us are walking around, we don't even know. You may not only be spiritually a Jew, you might literally, because of how we traveled across the pond here, and people have emigrated across the world, and how they've been driven from place to place, and then intermarried, we don't know what's in our bloodline. Amen? Then the other part means is shalom. It means to be safe in mind, body, or state, to make complete, to be friendly, to reciprocate, Kate, to make amends, to make prosperous, to make restitution. And as we know, and I've said a lot of times, biblical names and per, of places and people are often important. They basically pronounce, a lot of times, prophetically, the nature and purpose of something, and it often comes to pass. So God's intent, as he named the place Jerusalem, 
was to, that it would not only be established as a place where peace abided, but also, as we saw in the definition of the two parts of the name, that the peace that's within them emanating from God would now flow out through all the nations. Amen? Notice a lot of the allies, they're desert places, places where education lacks, health lacks, the buildings are shabby. Why? They're hating God's chosen people. You think it's because the Jews oppress them? No, they're hating God's chosen people. So therefore, they cannot prosper. Amen? Hallelujah. So God's intent was for Jerusalem to not only be established and dwelling as a place of peace, its purpose was to serve as a city, amen, that would act as a beacon to the world to show people how to prosper, amen. Look at our prosperity. Look at how we thrive. Look at how we turn a desert into a thriving oasis and now follow the same pattern looking up to God as we did, and God will preserve you and protect you and cause you to thrive as well, amen. So they were intended to serve as a demonstration. The same way a husband and wife in a Christian marriage are supposed to exemplify the nature of, as, as the mother, husband and wife come together, become one flesh and have children, and it basically shows you the nuclear family, which is kind of representative of our marriage and relationship with God, Jerusalem and the nation of Israel was supposed to serve as a beacon of light that if you follow the principles of God, you can thrive everywhere you go. And notice that. They've, they've thrived everywhere they've gone. They've multiplied. They've prospered. People have hated them, driven them out. They go somewhere else. They grow, multiply. They thrive. They get hated. They get driven something else. Notice the pattern. Everywhere they go, they multiply. They thrive. The people that could take advantage of what they bring start to hate them and then push them out. And then the next thing you know, <laughs> history repeats itself. It's no chance that the Jews thrived in Germany. And they did a multiple-step process. First they said, okay, they're devils. They got tails behind their legs. Sound familiar? They did that to black people too. Then they say, you can't do business dealings with them because they're dishonest. Then they went further and say, well, we need to push them to another side of town. Then they went further and said, let's push them out of here altogether. Then they went to, let's exterminate them. It's happened all over the world, a repeated pattern. Amen. And do you think it's by chance that it's always targeting that same people group, the same group that God made covenant with? Amen? So as I said, Jerusalem and the people of Israel are the key and the pattern for blessing the entire earth. Let's look at Genesis 18, 17 through 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. First of all, God, we see here, made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you, not all these other groups, not these other religions, I'm going to make you Abraham a people unto myself, and even though at this time I made the covenant, you can't even have kids with your wife. But I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. And he said, why? Because I know he will command his children to follow the principles of God, and 
and basically they're going to keep the way of the Lord throughout the generations. They kept the word of the Lord throughout the generations to the point that all these psalms and stuff were, were, were worshiping and, and, and reading and studying, studying, they taught that through their lineage by, by singing it. Amen? It was so part of their life that they sang it. If you've never gone to a Jewish service, um, you know, a synagogue or to a bar mitzvah, you know, I've done it. And when you go there, when we're here, we read the Bible. I just read that passage of scripture. When you go there, the way in which they not only allow the people to learn it, but they pass it down to their children, when they open it and go to a specific book, they sing it. They don't read the Bible. They sing. Amen? So you get a song, (laughs) you get a concert every, every Sabbath day at the Jewish synagogue. They sing the word. Why? Because music allows it to permeate your mind and get into your spirit easier than when you just read it. Even the slaves back on the plantations, what did they do? A lot of our praise and worship songs were songs that they sung as they worked the tobacco or the cotton or whatever fields. They sang the song so it would get into their spirit. So we see here that God, amen, told said about Abram, I'm making a covenant with him. I'm going to make him a great and mighty nation because he will command his children. That means, that word command means to direct or to set in order. Abraham ain't going to beg his children to worship God, in other words. He's going to command them. Amen? You're going to worship them. I'm going to tell you, Pam and I, over the years, um, we really haven't had to do that, like commanding, as we've heard other parents do. Like, you got to come to church. Or, Why don't you come to church? Or, no, you come to church. That's all they ever knew. So we never had to fight them. They just know to do it. But we've also had the standard that on the few occasions that the Lord had led, led us to have somebody to stay in a house, you stay in a house, you go to church. <laughs> Ain't none of this laying up on Sunday. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you better be heading to the hospital to visit somebody, like some kind of ministry. But if it's Sunday morning, you know where the foxes are at. Whatever church. This is our church. But people that know us, when I was at, you know, Assembly of God Church, Lighthouse, when I was at Salt Rock, when I was at Christian Center, Sunday morning, at that window of time, if you want to find Brian and Pam and Pam Fox, you knew where to find us. And if you want to see us, if you're not sick and in the hospital, you know you would better call us to see you at the church. Because Sunday morning, within that window, where Brian and Pam? Church. Because we command ourselves and then we command our house. And as a result, that's why God has been able to trust and to bless us. Amen. And they got it wrong in terms of Jesus. Let's face it. They didn't receive him as the Messiah. That is yet to come. But there are certain things about them that are to be admired as it relates to disciplining your family and living a disciplined life. Um, they have the principles of giving. Have you ever seen a rundown synagogue? Even the poor synagogue is hooked up by church standards. I mean, even the poor ones, like, are great churches. <laughs> Matter of fact, sometimes synagogues have been um, sold as they move to larger buildings, and Christian churches have moved in because, man, the place is nice. It's all laid out. It's got the sound system. Churches be looking for synagogues to take over because they take care of it. Then they have the traditions, as, you know, over the last couple of weeks, some of the Jewish people in my job, even the ones that don't go to synagogue every week, they were leaving like 3 or 4 o'clock so they can get home by dusk and do their Seder or, you know, the different, like they were fasting yesterday, amen? So they're very traditional, amen? Um, 
they don't use their cars on the, on the Sabbath. Well, Saturday morning, you drive through Cherry Hill or areas where they have synagogue, you're going to see Jewish people walking because they're still following that tradition that I'm not going to use all this modern technology on the Sabbath day. You tell a Christian to do that, man, you'll empty your church. On the Sabbath, now let's, let's get away from the car even. You can't use this, you can't use that. Be like, I'm going to find me another church. <laughs> I ain't going there. <laughs> Sense of community. The synagogue is the hub of Jewish life. Amen. Family. They have bar and bat mitzvahs now to celebrate their children being elevated into the age of understanding and adulthood. They have a lot of discipline as it relates to how you conduct yourself. Education is a big thing. Amen. They have the highest ratio of university degrees, scientific papers, and whatever. Entrepreneurship. They off the charts. My, my boss is Jewish. Um, the other day, he just sent uh, a LinkedIn Connect request to a guy that's the CEO of another company. Within, within the following day, the guy texted him back or emailed him back and said, hey, we need to talk to you. Look at your website. We need to partner and have a revenue share. I'm like, this dude be just tripping in the business deals. We, we chasing after them. He just like send an email. Hey, man, I got a partner with you. Let's do a revenue share. I'm like, now we would be calling them for like 10 years trying to get an appointment. This dude, one LinkedIn message, bam, guy's ready to do a revenue share deal. They're just anointed for that. Amen. And I don't know that the guy on the other end is Jewish. They just anointed for, for business. Innovation. Agriculture, medicine, technology, just off the charts. So my thing is, regardless of whether you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether or not you're Hebrew, there's just certain universal principles of God. Yes, we do need Jesus as our Lord and Savior to make, you know, to fulfill our eternal destiny in God. But there are certain universal principles. The same way if I jump, gravity brings me down. Certain principles that the Jews follow ensure that they are blessed. As I said, you don't see any broke synagogues. In the church, you've got to fight with Christians to tithe and offer. And it, it gets me sometimes, like, I see these things. Um, one time it was supposedly named a T.D. Jakes. I don't believe it. Then another time they showed this stack of money. Say amen on this post. By tomorrow you'll have money. I sat there. I was like, Lord, don't, Lord, don't let me type nothing. I'm like, no, you ain't. Wow, you know I ain't. Are you paying your tithes and offering? Are you shacking? Are you doing this or that? You really want to go there? There's principles in God that will enable you to be blessed financially. And if you don't do those things, just because you post amen to this don't mean you're going to get money. No, you got to follow the universal principles of God if you want to be wealthy. Amen? Period. So gimmicks aren't going to do it. Obedience to God and his principles do it. And that's why... Even without them knowing the Messiah, Jesus Christ, just because they're following some of the principles of giving of myself unto God in terms of my resources and time, the principles that relate to financial wealth come back into their life. Amen? We don't have to like it. I mean, I, I personally have a beef with it, but I know a lot of people don't like it, but we just got to get over it. Maybe we need to start emulating and imitating some of the stuff that they do so that we can have the dividends come into our life as well. So God has anointed the Jews in the city of Jerusalem to serve as a vessel representing to the entire world a pattern on how to operate according to his principles. And he meant them to be a healing bomb, showing the nations how to be healed as they would glorify God and worship him. Amen? So, like I said, we can hate on them. 
where you start taking on some of the principles. Now, one of the things we got to see in the Word of God from Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 10, there's a lot of fuss overseas about, oh, well, you need to give part of Jerusalem or you need to give part of the West Bank back to the Palestinians. You need to do this or that. And every time you turn around, they're trying to scrunch Israel down a little further and make them give back some land, even though they bought the land. But let's see what God says about the establishment of, of Israel and Jerusalem. Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 10. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his worth is perfect, for all his days are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children, they are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people, and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, continue I'm sorry, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. All right, we see here, first of all, it talks about the Lord's doctrine. Or in other words, his active instruction will drop as rain. And within that active instruction, and by active I mean God didn't just give the instruction once and say, here you go, do this, I'm done. But it talks about active instruction. In other words, he told them the principles he wanted him to abide by, gave them directions on how to live and where to go, and he is actively reminding and reemphasizing to them, this is what you're called to do. Amen? Now, one of the things we see here, it says that God has established the bounds of the people, and when it's talking about that, it's basically saying that even though the world political system, the United Nations, which has always hated them, I can't stand the United Nations, if they're ever going to be a successful attack, let it be there. Boom. I can't stand the United Nations because they're the most anti-Semitic organization in, in the world. Out of thousands of votes, they're always voting anti-Israel. Amen? So they're worthless. They're satanic. Need to go. That's another lesson. <laughs> but the fact is, God, not the UN vote, not the politicos all over the world, not even the premiers over in Israel have defined the boundaries of that nation and Jerusalem and where do people go. God himself says, I set the boundaries. So who are we to say, give up the West Bank? Who are we to say, oh, we'll give them a little more of this, a little more of that? They're trying to destroy us with the stuff that we gave them, is what Israel ought to say. Amen? But the reality is, Israel, by relinquishing some of the land, if God told you it's yours, who are you to give it back or to give it to anybody? I said this is the boundaries. I'm the one that told you to go here. Amen? So nobody has a right to tell them that they need to shrink, give this back, give that back, 
concede this, concede that. No, God says, I establish the boundaries. And by you giving it up, you are defying me. So God says, this is what I gave you. Take it and keep it. And see, it's easy for us on the outside looking in in the safety of the United States to say, well, they can solve some of this fighting if they just give up a little bit. Well, are you over over there every day living a life in which you go to the grocery store, you don't know if a truck's going to come in or a person's going to come in strapped up with bombs around their waist and blow you up and take your life? It's easy for us from a distance to say, well, why don't they just stop being so stubborn? Why don't they give this or that up? Well, let them come in and say, okay, uh, we're going to take Willenboro. Wait a minute, I bought my house. I've been paying. I'm cultivating my yard, pay for my house. No, we're going to take Willenboro. We're going to give that to these people. Well, what about us? Got to move. Oh, you'd be fighting them, wouldn't you? But see, we see the people across the pond, they need to just give up stuff. And the thing is, not only have they cultivated and grown and made it a place that all the world could come to and thrive, but the stuff they gave them is squalor. You're better off letting us keep control of it so you can prosper. You'll never hear that in the news, though. You'll never hear that in the news. And see, I could tell some of the brains have been trained already, amen, by what the news has been telling you over the years. Because I can see the body language. I can, I can sense the spirits. But that's, that's fine. I'm cool with that. Because God said it. See, I'm going to be on the side of God. Y'all got to choose in your heart and spirit whether you are. Amen? Y'all got y'all to get to that place. Because I'm here, I'm here to tell you today, when the armies of the earth align themselves against Israel, including the United States, because we're going to do it, give me a rifle and a plane over to Israel. I'm going to fight this side. I will turn to the United States. If it's between Israel and the United States, I'm going to come against America. Because I ain't going down with the United States. I'm going down with Israel. Because I want to prosper. I want to be safe. <laughs> I want to be on the Lord's side. Amen. <laughs> and like I said here, the creator of the universe, God, says, I saw fit to covenant with Abram. I saw fit to take him and say, go there to habitate. I saw fit to say, these are the boundaries of where I've called you to be. So like I said, nobody, including you, descendants of Abraham, have the right to relinquish what I said is yours. I have sovereignly said, this is yours. Don't give it up. And we look back at 1948, and we say, oh, that's when they got voted in. It's official. They became, they got the statehood. That's sort of kind of true. That's in modern times, it's true. They got their statehood. But quite frankly, the word of God tells us when they got their statehood. Let's go to Genesis 32, 24 through 28. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Uh Uh-oh. God made the state the nation of Israel. 
when he took Jacob, who wrestled with him, to the point that he popped his hip out of joint? I can't even imagine. When I was a kid, I dislocated my arm once. And I guess because I was younger, it didn't have as much muscle buildup. It didn't hurt. But when Pam and I were moving, um, I can't remember where we were moving from our first apartment to the townhouse, which is two-story, or when we moved to our first house we rented. But we were moving, and I reached down the wrong way, and the box I was picking up wasn't that heavy, so I was just like, eh. It's not like I sat there, okay, bending knees. I just turned with like this, bam, that you know my shoulder's here. Now, as a kid, it didn't bother me, and as an adult, whoo, that hoit. It didn't hurt, it hoit. I went from it excruciating pain to the whole right side of my body went numb. So I know what a dislocation feels like. And it says here that, that, that the angel of the Lord dislocated his, his hip. And he's still like, oh, I ain't letting you go. So imagine all that pain. He's like, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And the end result was God said, what is your name? Which, of course, God, being omniscient, knows everything. He wasn't asking his name like I don't know it. He's saying, tell me your character. My name is Jacob, which means conniver, scoundrel, blah, 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 which is a form of confession. And because he wrestled with God, was, was demanding a blessing, and then confessed what his character is, God said, okay, no longer will you be Jacob, scoundrel, conniver. You will now be Israel, one who has prevailed with God. And the rest is history. No matter where they were, all over the face of the earth. You are the nation that has prevailed with me. And as a result of me making covenant with your forefather Abraham and now renaming you to Israel, the people who have prevailed against God, your destiny will be that no matter where you go on the face of the earth, you shall prevail with who? With God. That's why they're still in existence. I mean, there have been major things, World War, the World Wars, you know, Hitler and things like that that we've heard about to exterminate the Jews. But the reality is that's not the first time they tried to kill them. Throughout the generations, over and over again, going back to Egypt with the Pharaoh, people have always tried to snuff out God's chosen people. But they've always prevailed. Why? Because they're with God. And his sovereign destiny is to preserve them and keep them as a special people unto himself. We saw earlier in Deuteronomy, I didn't even emphasize that, that the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, or Israel's a lot of his inheritance. He found him where? In the desert land. In a waste. But then God led him about, instructed him, and kept him as the what? The apple of his eye. So no matter where they, they go, no matter where they're driven out and go into, God says, those people are an apple to my eye. They're pleasing to me. I'm going to preserve them. I'm going to keep them. So you can try to snuff them out all you want, but I, the Lord God, myself will prevent anyone from ever exterminating the Jews. I'm here to tell you today, world history is going to go down to those people. All the nations of the earth are going to go against them. We're still getting there. But boy, you don't want to be on the wrong side. We're going to see why. You don't want to be on the wrong side. <laughs> Isaiah 66, 5 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from a city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that, re 
rendered recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. We see here that your brethren hated you. You realize the war in the Middle East is two brothers fighting? It's Ishmael <laughs> fighting against his brother. You're the chosen son that stayed there in the family with Sarah and Abraham. I'm this despised, illegitimate child that got cast out with my mother Hagar. And here we are thousands of years later. The, the son that got kicked to the curb is trying to destroy the brother that stayed in the house. It's two brothers fighting. <laughs> but we see here that the Lord is going to protect his people. And then it says how a, a nation got born at once, not through the, the political system, but literally from the hand of God. Not only in, in earlier times in Genesis when he said, Jacob, you would now be Israel because you have prevailed, but even in terms of the miraculous way in which all the things came into place for them to get statehood in 1948. It was just like that, a bloom, the blink of an eye. One minute, it was all these different factions coming against them. The next thing you know, they voted. You got statehood. Bam, out of nowhere. <laughs> Look at how America was spawned. Revolutionary war. We just fought and fought and fought until we finally got to that place. We had to get the help of other countries, and they were going back and forth with ships and things like that. And Israel one day was not a nation, and next, bam, we got statehood. That's the divine hand of God moving things into place and making them that. Now, you have to realize God established his divine laws through his people Israel. If you look back at the Ten Commandments, that came through God. Pretty much every system of government throughout the earth, whether they want to admit it or not, a lot of it goes back to God's Ten Commandments. And yes, they add clauses and conditions and paragraphs and things like that. But the fact is, the basis of the legal systems and the systems of government around the earth really go back to God and his people and how he told them to establish themselves and how to live their life and how to have a system of laws on your behavior and your conduct and how you treat each other. Amen? Let's look at Leviticus 18, 24 through 28. Defile not ye yourselves in any of those, these things. For all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you and the land is defiled. That the land spew not you out so also when ye defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. So that entire chapter of Leviticus 18 God is laying out his system of laws and statutes as they pertain to not only Israel, but mankind's conduct in regard to the affairs of life. And as I said, he tries to use them to showcase how to abide by his laws of obedience so you can be blessed. But when you violate those laws, it talks about not only do you, just, you suffer the consequences of your sin, but as we see here, it says the land gets defiled. So it's not just you, your land dries up. Once again, look at the enemies of Israel. They're all in deserts. They're all impoverished. Sickness, disease, 
all kinds of stuff. It's bleak when you look at the different places that have come against them. You even look at some of the nations that have driven them out. And a lot of times you won't hear this stuff in the news. Greece, believe it or not, has a lot of racism going on over there. And a lot of people, including Jews, getting driven out. What is one of the things we're seeing in Greece? Their, their economy is going in the toilet right now. Turkey and France, different countries. One of the common threads, if you look at the economic systems, is that they were thriving as they allowed the Jews to, to prosper and to flow. As soon as they start either oppressing them or saying don't do business with them and then drive them out, their economies start to decline. This is no random circumstance. See, I'm not telling you to look at just what I'm saying from the Bible, but look at the history. Look at the economies of the world. And you'll see a common thread. When you drive them out, there goes your economy. And one of the things here is we think, oh, America is prospered because of one nation under God. And, you know, and that's, that's, that's cool. and That's all good. We are a nation under God. But we're starting to decline, you know, because we're getting away from the laws of God. But another way in which we prosper throughout the generations is that whereas other people were driving out the Jews, two of the places where most of the Jews emigrated to were Israel and the United States. That's why we became a world power. Not only do we abide by the laws of Christ's government, but we also welcome the Jews in with open arms. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm telling you, follow the word, follow what has happened. Follow, and that's not to say that they haven't done anything wrong. That's not to say that we haven't done anything wrong. But follow the, the history of these nations and the ones that welcomed them and the ones that pushed them out. And a lot of times you will see an economic decline in those countries almost immediately after they're pushed out. So a lot of times people are, oh, well, you don't know that. Oh, well, that, that's just a word. You don't follow the money trail. <laughs> Go do a study on their economies. You'll find a common thread. The Jews were there and prospering. They got forced out. Oh, they just went into a depression or a recession. Hmm coincidence I don't think so <laughs> so we see here the land itself vomits out the inhabitants due to the abominations they commit against the people of God we've even seen that when they themselves the Jews have walked with disobedience that they have suffered you know some consequences in terms of their economy and stuff like that so even they you know a lot of times people think oh well that's not fair to the chosen people of God and they get a free pass no they don't get a free pass they've they've suffered sometimes because they've allowed themselves just as in the old testament they chased after false idols and other gods and they pay for it there's been times in modern times and over the last few hundred years where they may have suffered stuff here and there but the reality is they were used as the basis of not only abiding by God, pointing to God, and living by his divine law so that they could be blessed, but also they were to demonstrate to other people, follow these same principles, and you will prosper. And the times in which people have abided by them, this is, as has typically occurred. Amen? Now, one of the things I talked about earlier, you know, I've talked about the, the hatred and the rise of it. You've got to realize, Satan supernaturally inspires anti-Jewish sentiments. Now, now, check this out. Israel, and this may even be, this may be a little different now um, from the statistic I had, but Israel is only one one-thousandth of the world's population. But arguments and votes 
as it relates to Israel, have taken one-third of the United Nations' time. Well, they're only this little tidbit of the world, one one-thousandth. Why is all the focus on them? Hmm, are they inspired? I would say yes. <laughs> With more than, and here's the thing, there's been more than 60,000, not 6,000, not 600, more than 60,000 individual votes by member nations against Israel for various reasons. Once again, one one-thousandth of the world population. We're talking billions of people. They're not even one-tenth, one one-hundredth, one-thousand, but yet 60,000 of your votes deal with them, and they were anti-them. But boy, they're being unfair is what the media will tell you. Sounds to me like the U.N., has been unfair. Amen? 60,000 votes. No matter what they've done to bring in technology, no matter what they've done to be a blessing in that region, they brought in hospitals, they brought in technology. Matter of fact, there's been times where they've suffered missile attacks and they could have retaliated and they said, and the United States and Great Britain said, sit back, allow them to bomb your people, allow them to kill. It's easy for us to look from over here and say, oh, it's okay. But let President Obama see a terrorist attack, come, come here and say, Obama, don't send your planes. Oh, just let them bomb us. And here's the thing. Not just let it happen once, but oh, they're going to continue to bomb. Don't do anything. No, no, no. Don't retaliate. What was the first thing we did? That was probably the first time everybody rallied behind George Bush. Democratic, Republican, Independent. Everybody was on the side. Let's bomb them out of existence. But boy, let, that was one attack in two buildings. Well, two buildings the Pentagon, that would be three, and then there's the one that went to fill. But over basically 3,000 people died, we're like, let's bomb them off the face of the earth. But we regularly tell Israel, they go into the stores, they fire their missiles at us. We sit back and say, Israel, don't retaliate. Stay calm. Don't do anything. Oh, it's so easy for us to say that when it's not our women, our children, our men, our elderly people getting bombed to death. And we have the capability to defend ourselves, but yet the United States and Great Britain say, don't do anything, and they sit back. And even in the times that they do counterattack, you know what they do? They contact their enemies first and said, okay, we know you have munitions in the following buildings. You got until noon, and we're going to blow it out of, out of the sky. So get your stuff out of there. So they warn the enemy in advance, we're about to blow your places up. Know what the enemy does? They put women and children in those buildings as shields so you won't blow them up. So they don't fight fair. Once again, you won't hear that in the news, which is anti-Semitic to the core. You will not hear that in the news, but that's the reality. <laughs> How many times the United States go to different countries? We just did it with ISIS. We go in, stealth bombers and stuff like that, drones, blow them up, no warning. Israel warns them before they blow them up. They put women and children there to stop them. But we criticize them. Amen? Oh, they're oppressors. They're like apartheid. They ain't nothing near apartheid. Amen? Hallelujah. So they've been satanically inspired with anti-Semitic mentality. And here's where it comes from. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Unto, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt 
thou eat all the days of thy life. And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and shall bruise thy head. There's where the animosity comes from. Amen? The serpent, Adam and Eve in the garden. And since that time, the enemy is trying to wipe out the people, God's chosen people. Amen? Trying to just exterminate them. And, and here's the thing. Um, this is something that just continues to go on and on and on and on. We look at Psalm 83, 1 through 5. It talks about, keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be, may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. Look at that, people scheming. Like I said, the UN and all these other um, nations that want to come against them, they're sitting around plotting and scheming to exterminate them off the face of the earth. Israel has never made statements about wiping out the Palestinians. They defend themselves, but they've actually tried to live in peace with them. We've had people like Ahmadinejad that came over here, came to our American universities. It just boldly says, I want to wipe them off the face of the earth. I don't want to get along. I don't want to negotiate. I want to exterminate them. Let any other, let Israel ever say that and see the response. But yet they deal with those type of mentalities all the time. So people um, hate them and their native people. And what we see here is that God is saying, be not still for, for thy enemies make a tumult and they that hate thee have lifted up my head. It says they that hate thee. God's saying there, if you hate them, you're hating me. Why? Because they are my kin. Somebody hates Colin Trey, you got to beef with me. But we got people, including Christians, oh, I can't stand the Jews. I hear the comments, oh, money, money grubbing. Oh, they're shifty. Oh, they're just arrogant. God's saying, I love them. But that we're supposed to be blessed <laughs> as the people of God? And you hating on his children? You hate contrary, like I said, you got beef with me. And if you step the contrary, you might have a war coming at you. But yet, people on the planet now regularly hate on them. And the shameful thing is that as Christians sometimes, people are anti-Semitic. We're supposed to be loving them. We came, we got engrafted in through the Savior Jesus Christ, which was a Jewish man. How are you going to hate <laughs> the nation of people that spawned <laughs> the savior of the entire world into existence. How can we hate on them? Amen? And like I said, that's not a green light saying that they're perfect. No, they're not perfect. I work for one. Believe me, he could be a little rough sometimes. But I don't hate him. I got to pray for the blessings upon him even when he's acting up. The same as I do for anybody else. But I think as a whole, people kind of get a mindset that it's okay to dislike or even despise them and wish, to, wish bad upon them as a nation. So um, there's a lot of debates and compromises when they reestablish Israel in modern times. And they had what they called the United Nations Special Committee on Palestine that recommended a separate Arab and Jewish states. And here's the thing. They said the Jews would get most of the coastal plain with Jaffa being an Arab island. You've probably heard of Jaffa. And then they will also get the Yisrael and Hula valleys, which were fertile valleys located to the north. Notice, 
the Palestinians got the valleys that were fertile located in the north, whereas the Jews got the Negev, which was the desert area. (laughs) So to a certain extent, if you really look at this, you got the two brothers, even though they're past the point of thinking each other are brothers, but when they're negotiating the lands and how it be divided for a Palestinian state and a Jewish state, the Jews basically did the Abraham thing, whereas the Palestinians did the Lot things. Remember, Lot and Abraham came to land. They said, okay, will you take? And Abraham, he was the uncle. He could say, boy, you better get over yourself. I'm taking what I want. He's like, you know what, Lot? You pick. Israelites did the same exact, same exact thing. So the Palestinians, they took all the fertile stuff. The Jews, well, got the desert. But what did they do? They worked that desert. They cultivated it. Bam. They turned, once again, they turned it around. <laughs> so they found it small settlements, you know, but the barrenness, as in the thing I read, said the barrenness of the region was depressing. Most were convinced that the Negev couldn't be made fertile. So Israel said, you know what? We're not going to fight about it. We're not going to go back and forth. We'll take it. So they cultivated the land. They made it desirous. And it eventually led to them cultivating and refining that area and making it fertile, even though they were surrounded on four fronts. That actually led to them being threatened with the impending six-day war. And here's, was something, here's something that was said back in 1967 as they were looking at the potential six-day war. This is a fight for the homeland. It is either us or the Israelis. Any of the old Palestinian Jewish population who survive may stay, but it is my impression that none of them will survive. This is what the enemy said against them prior to the Six-Day War. But we can see God truly blessed the Israel nation during the Six-Day War. There's a bunch of um, miracles that occurred. I'm sure some of you heard about the Six-Day War. And first of all, Six-Day War, seriously? Nobody wants a war six days. But there's a bunch of miracles that occurred for God's chosen people. I just listed a few. One was um, there's a place called Shechem, which actually is in, I think it was Genesis. Genesis 12 talks about Shechem. And this is the place, one of the places that God told Abraham to travel through. Now, during the time of the Six-Day War, the enemy actually said, you know what? Let's surround Shechem on every side. And when the Israels come through, it's going to be like a U. The Israeli troops are going to come through, and then we're going to come around the back, close them in, and blow them out of existence. This is at Shechem. So the Israelites, the, the Israeli Defense Force, or the IDF, they come in. The enemy's planning to surround them on every side and decimate them. But when they come in, they're coming to the town expecting to fight, and people are applauding them. They're like, why are they applauding us? These are enemy villages. What happened is the Lord confused them and they thought it was their own troops coming in. So they were able to come in and just take the whole area. The, the Lord talks about the enemy trying to ambush us and him sending in <laughs> things that confuse them. So he literally confused them. They're sitting there coming into the actual ambush and people are like, <laughs> And the Israelites are like, what? They literally, why are they clapping for us? They thought they were the Arabs. <laughs> That's one miracle. Then there was another one. 
the, the, the Jewish people had a, a truck that was full of munitions. And it, it was so loaded up with military equipment, bombs and stuff like that, that they were concerned as they were driving it into the town and near the building where they parked it, that if anybody shot it, it would blow up. And it had enough explosive power to level multiple buildings within a couple blocks. So they're driving in town. They park in the building. Next thing you know, they hear like this noise coming their way. A missile literally hits the truck. So they're basically like, we're gone. The missile stays on top of the pile. Nothing happens. Literally hit the truck that they were so concerned that it was going to blow everything up. Then there's another time. They had Israelites um, parachuting down to this airport. And then these, a couple of soldiers came in. And when they got down, they were like, this is weird. It's the Egyptian airport. They're like, the place is empty. Everybody fled, and they couldn't understand why. So these two guys, they only got a couple handguns and only a few bullets. So they're going around, and all of a sudden, they turn this corner, and bam, there's a military vehicle, turret, soldiers and everything, pointing right at them. So these guys look at each other like, we're about to meet our maker. And nothing. So they stand there for a while like, why aren't they firing on us? So finally, they, they pause for a while, and nobody does anything. So they walk up to the vehicle, and when they, they look inside the vehicle, there's, eight, there's 18 soldiers in there, and they have these look, this look of horror on their faces. And as they get the guys out, and they take their weapons and everything, they're just like, we don't understand. Why didn't you fire on us? And they're like, our bodies were paralyzed. We couldn't move. <laughs> God protecting his sovereign people. Two, two publications talked about the Six-Day War. The secular paper, Haaretz, pronounced that even a non-religious person must admit this war was fought with help from heaven. And then a German journalist, notice, German, people who try to exterminate them, a German journalist noted that nothing like this has happened in history. A force including a thousand tanks, hundreds of artillery artillery cannons, many rockets and fighter jets, and 100,000 soldiers armed from head, and toe, from head to toe was destroyed in two days in an area covering hundreds of kilometers filled with reinforced outposts and installations. This victory was carried out by a force that lost many soldiers and much equipment, positions, and vehicles. No military logic or natural cause can explain this monumental occurrence. They're like, there's no way the Jews could have won that war. Just, just no way. Doesn't calculate. But yet, six days. Six days, done. Enemy decimated, disarmed, confused, laying down their weapons, <laughs> paralyzed, because the hand of the Lord was upon them. And you may ask yourself, okay, well, but didn't they reject Christ? Why are they being blessed? They rejected Christ. They got Jesus killed. They're the ones that yell for Barabbas, the murderer, and allowed and asked for Jesus to go to the cross. Didn't he kill him? Amen? I'm not going to read it now, but Romans 11 talks about that. It says, has God cast away his people? God forbid. And he goes on and he talks about basically the Jews have a spirit of blindness that they cannot see. So you could preach to them about Jesus Christ, and they're like, okay, I've heard of him. He sounds like a great guy, but I'm not going to accept him. See, we, we basically receive Jesus by the proclamation of the word, and we hear it, we understand it, it touches our heart and our minds, and we receive it. 
they have been blocked. It's been the truth of Jesus Christ has been veiled, amen, so that they can't see. And according to Romans 11, it says that they have been blinded, amen, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. So actually, the fact that we wouldn't accept Jesus Christ opened the door that God said, I won't just bless my chosen people, but I will now open opportunity for those who will receive me as the word is preached to come in, but they're not coming in as me pushing the Jews out and now welcoming them in, in a new family. No, I am engrafting them in to the family that is there. And it goes further to say that if God were to cut off his natural branches on the tree and discard them or throw them in the fire, well, how will we know that as we screw up on a daily basis, as we've been known to do? He might be like, you know what? I'm tired of them too. Cast them out and get the next group of people. So thank God he's not fickle like us. God said, I love you enough that I allow you to come in. Once again, though, we are accepted in, adopted, amen, into the spirit of Abraham. We were adopted into the family of Christ, but under the Abrahamic blessings that come down through the Jewish people, amen? And thank God that um, it says that he is going to redeem them as well. He has not cast them off. They have just been blinded temporarily so that we could receive Jesus Christ. But it says that when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, in other words, when all the, Jewish, the, the Gentile people, non-Jewish, that accept me are now in, then... I'm going to reclaim my chosen people, and they're going to, their eyes are going to be opened up so they can see the full revelation that Jesus really was the Messiah. So there are Messianic Jews that have accepted Jesus Christ, but for the most part, they consider him a great man of God, but he's not the only begotten son of God and the Savior of the world. Amen. But they are going to come to that place. Now, as I said earlier, all the nations of the world are going to eventually end up attacking the people of God. And there's people that argue whether or not the United States is going to join in or not. My thing is the word, the word talks about all nations. Just because I'm American, that gives me the right to say we're exempt. I don't see any way we can necessarily say we're not going to be part of the attacking force when the word of God makes it clear that the nations of the world are going to come against them. And we've already seen compromises in our government as it relates to them. Amen? So I'm not here to say that we can guarantee the United States is going to stay at their side. We might be one of the first ones attacked. We just don't know. But as a people that are knowledgeable, we can pray for them and say, hey, Lord, keep our politicians on the side of Israel. Second Peter 3.10 says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be blessed, shall be burned up. Sounds like nuclear holocaust to me. What time in history was the ability to light up the skies with fervent heat possible since the time of the atomic age? And if you look at the missiles and the nuclear warheads we have now, do you realize that we have thousands and thousands of sure, <laughs> I'm sure Phil's going to tell you, we have thousands and thousands of warheads. One warhead now, if I get it correctly, has the power of like, I can't remember if it was 100 or 1,000 of the, the original atomic bomb that we use on Japan. I think just one. So back then, we could decimate an island and leave radioactive waste that would linger for years. Now, if all these missiles go up, party's over, man. You know, why, why do you think it's so hard for people to get to that point to say we're going to nuke? 
because the fallout just lasts for years. But we have the technology and the means, and not only us um, and the American allies, but now some of the en enemy nations have nukes. And it may not always be missiles. Now some of them have portable nukes. Carrying a suitcase. Call them, they call them dirty nukes. Amen? So that's a scary thing. It talks about the skies. <laughs> and look at it. It talks about the day of the Lord will come as a thief at night. We don't know when it's going to come. It's just going to come suddenly. And that's why I say it's important for us to know what side we're on in spirit of truth according to the word of God because you don't know when the time's going to come. We may be sitting here today, so everything's hunky-dory, having a great day, nice and sunny. Woo, it's, it's great outside. A minute from now, the news could be in the air. We don't know, but we need to be ready. We need to be ready in Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to instill fear. I'm saying we need to be in the right mind and of the right spirit as it relates to God and his people. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because World War III is going to center on Jerusalem. It's going to center on Jerusalem. It's not going to be, you know, us against the Russians, as we may think. It's going to center on Jerusalem. And that's why we got to watch and we need to pray for it. We need to pray that any attacks or anything seemingly like it might lead to World War III, we need to pray, God, stop it in its tracks. Um, destroy every device of the enemy. Because the world stage is going to center on Jerusalem. And that's where World War III is going to occur. And it talks about the, the battle of Armageddon and stuff like that. And it says it's going to be so, such a horrible war. Amen? That you know how tall a horse is. It says blood's going to be up to the chest of a horse. It's going to be rivers of it. That's how many people are going to die. We see here, it talks about the skies, the sky melting. The elements melting with a fervent heat. Just from the plane that hit one of the towers up in the upper floors. And there's some theories about that. <laughs> but they said that there was stuff, pillars that melted in the basement. I don't really believe it's from the plane. I believe they planted bombs underneath. That's another story. But pillars melted. They're talking here the elements are going to be burned up. Amen? Elements burned up. That's, that sounds like nuclear warfare and nuclear radiation. Matthew 24, 4-14 talks about, take, note, take heed that no man deceive you. That's why it's important what we're talking about today. Take heed that no man deceive you. Like I said, you're going to hear a lot of stuff in the news. You're going to hear a lot of untruth. You're going to hear um, people just debating, and sometimes they think they're knowledgeable, and you're not. I saw uh, a conversation with Bill Maher, which I don't really like him because he's atheist. He's very anti-Christian, but he was gotten to a bait against Ben Affleck, who was saying, you're racist, and you're this and that, talking about um, Islam, and blah, blah, blah. No, Ben, you don't know about Islam. They do teach to behead people. They do talk about killing people that lead the religion. So you don't know what you're talking about, Ben. You're just politically correct and following the trend. You see, there's a lot of people out there spouting stuff, and they think they know the truth, and they think they know what's really going over there in Israel. And, and here's the thing. Regardless of what they may think they know, the fact is God says we need to go back to his word. What does he say about the matter? He says we need to pray and to defend them and to support them. Amen? So it says, take heed that no man deceive you. We need to be careful that we're not deceived by the things that mask themselves the little Jewish apartheid and all these things that the enemy has people saying. And what it is is there's an underlying current of anti-Semitism to make you start to despise the Jews. Take heed, Jesus says, that no man deceives you. You know, and it talks about many people coming in his name, false Christ, deceiving many. We see you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
As we go further down, we see nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing some of this stuff going on now. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes. You realize that um, over there um, by, by Yellowstone Park, they have what they call earthquake waves. They're like small earthquakes. They said it was over 600. Amen? Earthquakes in various places. We don't think about earthquakes in the United States. You realize underneath Je- Ye- um, Yellowstone is, is a super volcano? A lot of people don't know that. They're going there to see the place. Oh, look at the geysers. The geysers are coming up in steam from the lava underneath. It's a volcano. <laughs> That's your vacation in that. It's a volcano. If it erupts, we'll go into, we'll go into a volcanic win- winter. The, vo- the ash will cover the sky so much that we'll go into immediate darkness and long-term winter that will destroy our agriculture. There's so many things around us, Ebola and stuff that could kill us and wipe us out. You best know Jesus. You best know to be on the right side of the Lord. Amen? Because that's the only thing that can preserve you and keep you going if you're on the right side in terms of your mind and in terms of your prayers. Amen? God can supernaturally protect you and preserve you. We saw some examples from the Six-Day War where people should have been killed, but yet the hand of the Lord came in, amen, and paralyzed people in their tracks before they could kill the people of God, confused the enemy, and stayed in his hand. So we see the divine um, power of God to intervene on our behalf to sustain us and defeat us. But we have to be of the right mindset and don't let the enemy deceive us. Amen. We see here it says, iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. Don't allow your heart to become cold against each other and against God's chosen people, the Jews. Do not allow that to happen. And don't allow people to speak that nonsense into your mind, into your heart. And worst of all, let it bury itself down into your spirit. God's word says we need to support and defend and pray for them. And we need to be mindful of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke 21, we don't have to go there, but it talks about Jerusalem being compassed about with armies. <laughs> it says, woe unto those days. Woe to the women that are breastfeeding. <laughs> All these different woes. People being led captive and, being, and fallen by the edge of the sword. And it says in verse 26 of that passage that things are going to be so bad, some people's hearts are going to stop out of fear. But God's, you know, the, the word that is good for us today is that he's going to preserve and take care of his people. And he shall surely, as we've seen in the earlier passages, whether we like it or not, he's going to surely protect his sovereign people and chosen people, Israel. They are the apple of his eye. So if we want to be on the right side to make sure we're preserved, we need to have a heart for them as well. Um, you can write these down for, for later. Zechariah 14, 1 through 21. In Zechariah 12, 1 to 10, in those passages, just talk about the devastation that is to come surrounding Israel. And the thing I like about Zechariah 14, there comes a point. Oh, Zechariah 14, 1 through 21 is the whole chapter. And then Zechariah 12, 1 through 10. Zechariah 14, 1 to 21 is one of my favorite passages because it talks about all the armies of the earth surrounding Israel. All right, we done had it. We're tired of negotiating, going back and forth with these people that aggravate us. And finally, for the last time, we're going to come and wipe them out. And they think they're going to be Hitler times 20. But Jesus Christ has a surprise for them because it says Jesus Christ himself is going to come down and he's going to set his feet on the Mount Olives. And when he sets his feet down on that mountain, that mountain's going to split in two. You talk about power? That's some power. (laughs) He didn't even do anything yet. He just set his feet down and a mountain splits in two. 
Wow. And that's not the kind and gentle Jesus. I'm just admonishing you, just a little pet. No, that's the Jesus going to come in, defending his people and all the enemies of the people of God, he's going to decimate. It says here, it says their flesh shall consume away while they stand on their feet. Think of this, armies and armies of billions of people, fl- planes and helicopters and tanks coming in and saying, we're going to finally exterminate these Jews and the nation of Israel that have been getting on our last nerve for 100 years. We're sick of them. We're, we've had enough. We're going to exterminate them. And there's going to be armies coming in with their guns and everything. Say, yeah, the day is the day that you're doomed. What does it say here? Jesus Christ, I got another resolution. You're going to be walking, and next thing you know, it's going to be a skeleton falling to the ground. Your skin's going to literally burn off your bodies. So you want to be against Israel? That's a terrible, fearsome thing to do. And like I said, we, we hope as a people in the United States, oh, we always got their back. We don't know. You don't know who's going to be in office and what. We might be the first ones on the ground. Because you know the United States has, you know, the ability to meddle. And be the first one. All the allies, the British and everything, always talking about, oh, yeah, we got you, we got you. They always got, we're always the first one on the ground, the first one doing the bombing runs. Oh, yeah, we got you. Yeah, you got us behind, as you always do. So we don't know where the United States is going to stand. But I'm here to tell you that if we come against Israel, that's going to be the greatest, most terrible day of all mankind. Because Jesus himself is going to step in and he's going to decimate. He said, y'all want to start something? I'm going to finish this party. Talk about CNN. CNN's going to have news alerts. People walking down the street. Flesh just burned off. Tanks just blowing up. Planes falling out of the sky. Blood up to a level, rivers of blood. You can swim in. The blood's going to be so deep. For the people that come against his people Israel, that's going to be the end result. Zechariah 12 tells about, this is a good one, Panagami, tells about he's going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be what? In siege against them. He's going to cause them to tremble. That's a fearsome day. It says he's going to smite every horse with astonishment. He's going to smite the riders with madness. One minute they're going to be on a military mission to wipe out Jews. Oh, you're going to go to this town to do this. They're going to be riding on a horse or in a car or whatever. Next you know, crashing their planes because they went insane. Or because the fear of the Lord hits them so great they lose their minds. That's going to be the destiny of the people that come against them. And it says, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, hallelujah, shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. Hallelujah. God is going to preserve them. God's going to keep them going. God is going to pour out his blessings and his preservation, his peace upon them. And the great day also will end, amen, with them finally seeing Jesus after he's attacked all their enemies and decimated them. Then they're like, that's the one that we rejected. And it says they're going to mourn but they're going, to, they're going to mourn, but then they're going to see him for who he is. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Pam, can you um, come up? Oh, we'll see if they have any questions. Can you go to the last slide? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's some of the prayer points that we want to do. Um, can we have some People will volunteer to pray for some of these points. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.